Well, good morning. As I stand up here this morning, I know a great division just happened. As I stand up here with this banner for the Vikings, there are some who rally around this banner and others who do not. Uh, this morning, we're going to be talking about Jehovah Nisi, God, my banner. Now, in the military, when I was in the military, every squadron had what was called a guide-on, a standard, or a banner. Now, that standard, that banner, represented the authority of that squadron, represented that squadron itself. I remember the first time I saw one of these. It was in the commander's office. That particular banner had several streamers hanging from it, all of them representing outstanding unit awards. That squadron was well decorated. It had a lot of them. Now, the only place I ever saw the banner was in the squadron commander's office, except when there was a change of command ceremony. During the change of command ceremony, we would take the banner to the parade grounds, and there we would do, you know, each squadron had their own banner. And that banner, the people of that squadron would go and rally wherever that banner was. Now, as the first sergeant for the last seven years of my career, it was my job to take this banner from the squadron commander's office to the parade ground. I would then give it to the shortest person in the squadron, and they would stand at the position in front of the squadron, and then I would give the call to, to form up the squadron on that person. And I would form them up and give them commands to have them uh, formed up kind of like the Verizon little thing, you know, with the tallest here and the shortest on down. And then after I formed up the squadron, what I would do is I would uh, turn the squadron over the, to the commander. And then after I gave the squadron, uh, uh, you know, the uh, squadron to the commander, what I would do is I would take this guide on from the shortest person, and that person would assume their position to uh, the end of the formation. And then I would execute the commands that the squadron, would, that the squadron commander would give. He or she would give the, the command, present horns. And at that, when they said present, I would bring the banner up. And at arms, I would bring it down, dip it. And then they would say, order horns. And at order, I would bring it up. And when they said arms, I would bring it down as quickly as possible without hitting the ground. And then slowly lower it to the ground. Then the other command that they would give while we were in formation was parade rest. And at parade rest, the position for the guy holding the guide on was to just go like this. And those were the basic commands. Now, our country has a banner. It's the flag. We rally around the flag. Sports teams have banners. And we might put these banners on our clothes, on our shirts, or on our hats. And this shows what team that uh, we, we give our allegiance to. And as I said this morning when I brought this up, I know there was quite a division. Many of us here are Vikings fans. There are others who are not. And we're adamant about that, aren't we? 
We say who we support. Well, uh, this summer, what we've been doing is we've been talking about the names of God. And one of the names of God that uh, Moses give, gives to God is Jehovah Nisi, God my banner. And uh, we see the story of that. And what this is, is after a, a battle that they have with the Amalekites, we see that, uh, uh, God, that Moses builds an altar, and at that altar, he calls God, God my banner. If you would this morning, you can turn in your Bibles to Numbers 14 and hold it there, but we're going to be spending our time in Exodus chapter 17. I want to read the story that we see where Moses gives God the name, God my banner. It's found in Exodus 17, beginning with verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held, held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we know that you are our banner. In you we have victory. You have given us victory over sin, victory over death. And Father, for that we rally around you. But Father, I pray that as we look at your name this morning, Jehovah Nisi, that we can just get a glimpse of what it means to call you our banner. And to understand a little bit more of who you are. The great, awesome, powerful God. The Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning you may notice Jim is not here. He's at camp and uh, he's preaching up there at camp. And in fact, next week, right after he's done with family camp, he's going to be... Uh, going on a little retreat of his own, and so uh, he asked me ahead of time um, if I would be willing to preach, and I said, of course. <laughs> uh, and he asked me which names of God that I would like to, to choose. So this week I'm talking on Jehovah Nisi, God, our banner, and next week I'm going to be talking about the Lord, our shepherd, as we look at the 23rd Psalm. But today what we see is we see that God is our banner. Now, this war, this battle that took place, what we find is this battle, uh, the Israelites had just come out of Egypt. They'd spent 430 years there as slaves. None of them were hardened warriors. They were slaves. They didn't know what it was to do battle. 
In fact, what we find, every battle up until this point, God had fought for them. God had destroyed the Egyptians for the Israelites. And and all they had to do was sit on the sideline and watch. But now something changes. Now, all of a sudden, what we see is that instead of God fighting for them, God fights with them. What I find interesting is who these Amalekites are. What we see about the Amalekites is they're actually related to the Israelites. If you remember Jacob, he, I mean, uh, Abraham, and then you have Isaac. Isaac had two sons, and they were twins, uh, uh, Jacob and Esau. Now, Jacob was the father of the nation of Israel. He had 12 sons. Esau, he had sons as well, and one of them was Amalek. The descendants of the Amalekites were related to the Israelites. Sometimes uh, what I find is some of our greatest battles are within our own family, aren't they? As the Israelites were traveling, the Amalekites uh, picked off the stragglers. Moses wrote about this in Deuteronomy 25. In Deuteronomy 25, he says, Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on your journey and cut off all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. They cut off those who were lagging behind. I think this is a tactic that Satan uses. In fact, in 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be self-controlled, alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Just like the Amalekites were looking for easy prey, looking for ones that they could pick off at the end of the line, Satan, he prowls around like a lion, looking for someone to devour, looking for us at our weakest point. Moses, we see he had no choice but to respond to this attack. So what did he do? He sent Joshua down into the valley. He said, Joshua, you go and pick some of our men. Pick some of the the best men. Go into the valley and face the Amalekites right there in the valley. But me, I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up on this hill with the staff of God in my hand. And I'm going to intercede on behalf of you and the people on the hill. Now, did you notice what Moses called the staff? He called it the staff of God. What was it? It was actually a shepherd's hook. It was nothing more than Moses' shepherd's hook that he had with him when he went to uh, the burning bush and where God was speaking to him through the burning bush. And God told him, take that staff and take it and throw it on the ground. And when he did, what happened? It turned into a serpent. Moses picked it up and it turned back into his, his staff. This was the same staff that Moses had in his hands when he was in Egypt. When he lifted it up, the plagues came on the Egyptians. This was the same staff that that Moses had in his hands when he lifted it up. The Red Sea parted so that the Israelites could cross through on dry land. This was the same staff that God told Moses to take and to strike that rock with. And then water flowed out of it. This was Moses' staff. But it was anointed by God. And when the people saw this staff, they knew that God was there in their presence. 
This was the staff of God. This staff reminded the people, God is with us and God is fighting for us. Now, from all outward appearances, that battle, it looked like it was a battle of man against man, army against army, but it wasn't. It was more than that. It was a spiritual battle that was taking place. You see, winning or losing wasn't determined by those doing the fighting. Winning or losing was determined by what was happening on top of that hill. Winning or losing was determined by by Moses having his hands up or having his hands down. Moses, what Moses did on a hill determined what happened in the valley. In Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. As the Israelites were fighting down in that valley, they were able to look up on that hill and they saw the staff of God and they they realized God is fighting with us. That's where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now here's what I find. There are two extremes that we waver between when we're in battles. One extreme is that we're down in the valley and we're doing all the fighting ourselves and we, ne- we neglect the hill. We neglect the spiritual. The other extreme is that we stand on top of the hill and we pray to God, God, take care of all this, but yet we don't do anything in the valley. We don't do any of the fighting in the valley. You see, it's not enough to just pray on top of the hill without going down into the valley and doing what we can do. The victory comes when we put the two together. Victory comes when we do what we can do in the valley and when we also intercede to God and do the spiritual fighting up on the hill. You see, don't trust God for a victory when you aren't doing what you can in the valley. Don't expect God to solve your relationship problems if you're avoiding the relationships. Don't expect God to fix your health problems if you aren't willing to do what the doctor tells you to do. But on the other hand, don't think that you can do all the fighting by yourself and win victory. 2 Corinthians 6, it says, we are co-laborers with Christ. You see, we're working together with Him. It's not all about giving it to Him and expecting Him to do it all, but yet it's not all about us doing it without Him either. I want you to remember this. We're helpless without God, but our enemies are helpless before God. We're helpless without God, but our enemies are helpless before God. Psalm 60, verse 12. With God, we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies. Joshua was in in the valley. Moses was on the hill. Together, they were fighting against the Amalekites. But then something happened. Moses' hands got tired. Moses' hands got tired. And when they got tired, what happened? Then the Amalekites started winning. You see, Moses' hands got tired. Anybody been here? Has anybody been there? You know, your hands get tired. You're fighting the battle. And, and, 
you just get tired. It wasn't that Moses' stick got any heavier. It was that the battle lasted so long that his hands got tired. He couldn't get his hands up. Maybe you've been in a battle so long, and you've been fighting this battle so long that you're tired. You're going, God, I just don't feel like praying anymore. I don't feel like going to church anymore. I don't feel like reading my Bible anymore. I don't feel like doing that spiritual stuff anymore. I want to say, if that's you, take a lesson from Moses. What did Moses do? He got two friends, one named Aaron and one named Hur. And their only job was to hold his hands up. Their job was to keep the heaviness of the battle from getting Moses down. And I think that's why God wants us in church. We don't come to church just so we can pray and sing songs. We come to church so that we can find an Aaron and a Her, someone who's going to be there with us when, when the battle gets long and hard. Someone who can lift our hands up in the middle of the battle. You see, here's the key to victory. Well, first, I just want to say, do you know why many of us are losing the battle? I think a lot of us are losing the battle because we don't allow a, an Aaron and a Her to come into our lives. And I just want to say this. If, if, you're, if you think you can do it on your own, if you're so arrogant that you think you don't need any help, you're going to lose the battle. Because everyone needs someone. We all need someone to help us when, when, the, when the battle gets tough. Joshua, he fought the physical battle. Moses, he fought the spiritual get battle. And together they won the victory. Apart, they would not have won the victory. But together they won the victory. And here's the key to victory. When fighting our battles, we must give our best in the valley while holding up our banner on the hill. And when we get tired of holding that banner up, that's when we need to find somebody to help us hold up our hands. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it. Because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Could it be the reason that I don't have the victory is because I kind of like my enemy? Could it be, I want to say that again, could it be the reason that I don't have the victory is because I kind of like the enemy? Could it be the reason that I don't have victory in this battle is because I kind of like Amalek? God says, I want you to get rid of Amalek. Not just part of Amalek, but all of Amalek. And the reason I believe some of us are losing is because we kind of keep Amalek around. We say, you know what? I kind of like Amalek. So we want to keep Amalek around and instead of... Getting rid of Amalek like God tells us to, we keep it around. Well, you might say, that isn't very loving, God wanting to get rid of Amalek. Why should he want Amalek wiped out? 
I want to ask you this. Is it very loving if you have cancer for your doctor to only get out part of that cancer? You wouldn't be very happy, would you? If after surgery, the doctor said, well, we did a pretty good job. We got most of it out. You wouldn't like that. Because you know that if if the doctor left part of it in, what's going to happen? It's going to come back. And it's going to come back and it's going to kill you. And God knows that if we don't get rid of Amalek, that Amalek is going to come back and Amalek is going to come back and it's going to kill us. There's a story about this in 1 Samuel 15. God told uh, Saul, he said, Saul, I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Get rid of them. Kill them all. But he didn't. He got rid of most of them. But he didn't get rid of all of them. And when Samuel came up to Saul and asked him about it, Saul did a song and dance. Saul said, I did what God told me to do. I got rid of the Amalekites. And Samuel said, oh, no, you didn't. You kept some of them around. And because Saul kept some of them around, you know what? The Amalekites were always a thorn in the side for Israel. In fact, how many of you remember Haman, the villain from the book of Esther? Haman. The man who tried to eradicate the Jews. Haman was an Amalekite. So God says, I want you to get rid of all of the Amalekites. We can't keep some of the Amalekites around. You see, God isn't being mean when he says get rid of the Amalekites in your life. Because God knows that if we keep the Amalekites around, the Amalekites are going to kill us. You see, we can't hang out with a little bit of pornography We can't say, oh, I got rid of the Playboy channel, but I'm going to keep my internet pornography. We can't hang around with a little bit of cancer. We can't say, well, I got rid of most of the cancer, but I'm going to keep a little bit around. Because the thing is, we can't say half a victory is a victory. It's only when we work together. Half a victory is not a victory. We need to completely get rid of Amalek. Verse 15 says, Moses built an altar and called it Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. Moses had this this, uh, altar built to remind the people that it was God who gave them the victory. The victory didn't come from themselves. The victory came from God. It was achieved by God's power. What we find is that's a lesson that the Israelites soon forgot. Shortly after this, what happened was the Israelites went to the edge of the promised land and God told them to go in and to conquer the promised land. But what did they do? Instead of marching right in, they sent in 12 spies. They sent in 12 spies to come and report about the land. Ten of the spies came back and said, oh, there's no way we can conquer the land. Those people are giants and we're like grasshoppers. Two of the others came back and said, oh, with God's help, there's no way that our enemies can keep us from taking the land. And what did the people do? 
the people listened to the ten spies instead of the two. And they didn't go in. But when the people heard that because of their unbelief, when the people heard that they were going to die in the desert because of their unbelief, what did they do? They decided to go in after all. But Moses told them, no, don't do it because God's not going to be with you. In Numbers 14, beginning with verse 42, we read this story. Moses said to them, do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies, for the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. But the Israelites, they didn't listen. And it goes on and says, Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up toward the high hill country, though neither Moses nor the ark of the Lord's covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amalekites and Canaanites who lived in that hill country, came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. What was the difference? In the first battle, they achieved victory, but in this battle, they were defeated. What was the difference? The difference was, in the first battle, they were under God's banner. But in this battle, they were fighting under their own banner. You see, under God's banner, we're unbeatable. But under our own banner, we're vulnerable. There's another banner that God told Moses to lift up in the desert. This one we read about in Numbers 21. What we find in this, in this thing is that um, the people are rebelling. They're grumbling against God. And because of their grumbling, poisonous snakes come. And these poisonous snakes start biting the people. And the people start dying. And God says to Moses, he says, Moses, take a snake and put a snake on a stick. Really, what he said was, take a bronze serpent, put it on the end of a pole, and lift it up. Have the people look at it. And as the people look at it, those who look at it will live. And those who looked at it lived. But those who didn't look at it died. What I find interesting is what Jesus says about this story. In John chapter 3, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. And then in chapter 12, He says, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to Myself. Now in the Old Testament, what we find is, Isaiah even prophesied about this. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, he says, In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place will be glorious. So what's the banner that Isaiah is talking about? I'm going to try this. The banner is Jesus. You see, Jesus is our banner. He was nailed to a piece of wood and lifted up high on a hill. And those who look to him receive victory. You see, Jesus fought for us a battle that we cannot win. Jesus fought the battle over sin and the battle over death. And when we look up to Jesus, we have victory. 
Now, the first thing an enemy does when he comes and conquers you is the enemy comes and takes down your banner and puts up his own banner. I want to tell you this. If Jesus is your banner, you can be assured of this. No enemy will ever take his flag down. And no enemy will ever put their flag up. I want you to remember this as we close. We may be helpless without God, but our enemies are helpless before God. Heavenly Father, as we look up to the cross, as we look up to Jesus, we remember that He is our banner. And Father, the battle has already been fought for us. Father, we thank you for giving us the victory over sin and death. And Father, help us as a people to always, always rally around the banner of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this series of, of messages as we are looking at your names and understanding a little bit more of who you are. And Father, let us never forget that as Moses said, you are his banner, that you are our banner as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.